how many of you were here last week for the message? How many weren't here, did, did not hear last, last week's message? Okay. I, I just didn't know how much to review. Um, I'm still, um, I'm just going to kind of go over this today again. So, let's see if I find my, find my thing here. This starts out with um, a story about my grandson, and um, he, he's, he's just, he's live action all the time, and um, <clears throat> a lot of elements, and uh, so... We get to watch him. We watch him, and he's here uh, often and in and out. So I told a story last week that I was on my back deck, and um, th this storm, was it not the craziest thing? Like, it just was wild. And um, even the utility guys are just, they're like, this was weird, you know, and they're talking about the trees and how they're, how they're dealt with and so many trees just busted the tops out of them. And uh, I lost another big oak tree and um, my lawn furniture was out in the front yard, didn't move it. So enough wind to knock this, this huge tall tree over and doesn't touch the other stuff. I have a wicker like love seat sitting out in the in the front yard. It's always blown over, like it's always in the fire pit. Any any little bit of wind or whatever, you know, it's sitting solid there. All kinds of things. Like it didn't seem to hit low. It it was high. It would twist trees and any tree that was compromised that was hollow, it was history. I mean, it just you know just blew them up. So uh, it was amazing when that came through. Phyllis woke up, and I'm like in dead sleep, so uh, I don't wake up fast. And she opens, looks out the window and goes, oh, you know, Rick, you know, like, like, gosh, you know. And I get this glimpse of all this lightning, not a bolt, but just, it was just like a constant, you know, somebody turned power on, just going, you know. And I'm trying to get up and look and whatever. She scolded me this morning. I left my face print on the picture window because I'm looking out. Uh, so that was a, no. You're welcome. It was so hard to see, you know. Eventually, early in the morning, it's still dark, got out, and I see this. At first, I don't see a big monster tree right right across, down, right, right in front of my garage. It, it fell right between the car and the garage. Didn't touch the car or the house. And... Um, it was like, wow, it would have just smashed the car if it would have hit it. You know? And um, just watching, looking at the uniqueness of all the stuff, you know. And there was some loss, but it was okay, too. There was nothing serious. And it wasn't until later in the morning I realized it ripped the electric right out of my house because the electric's off, so that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a news bulletin. But I was going to start to clean up the tree, and I see that this wire in the tree, and I went, Oh my gosh, I look up and it just, my mast is blown off and it busts the meter off the house and just really, really whacked it good. And um, I just finished all the vinyl trim around this and covered up the ugly wire. You know, it was real, I was real proud of myself, you know. And uh, that's where I had been working 
this day that Jace was with me on the back deck. I'm doing the siding back there, and on the corner of the garage there were bees there, and I've been fighting them, trying to suck them up with my shop back and whatever. I think I have them all gone. Next day, they're back. I'm like, I'm catching hundreds of bees, killing hundreds of bees, and they're still day after day after day. They're, they keep coming back. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So this has gone on for a couple of weeks where I was working back there off and on, and Jace would come, and I'd like, stay away, Jace. There's bees over here, da, 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 that thing. So he knew about it. And one more day we're there right towards the end, and it would have been last week. And um, I said, Jace, I, I was here stay. I said, the bees are back. The bees are back? And I said, yeah, I thought I said too much. I gave him too much information. I said, yeah, I thought I had them all dealt with, all killed, all gone. And um, I said, they're back. And I see him manifest anger, which is the funniest thing in the world. And uh, he has this thing he does with his arms. He, he brings them up like this. And then he slowly makes a fist with one or both hands. And then he's, it's this, and you can tell it's just building in him. He's like, you know, it's going to blow. And he down, go, and at the same time, this little leg comes up and boom, you know. And then he's going to let you know what's going on inside. And so um, I'm mad at God. He, he healed the bees and he brought them back to life. And he stomps off the deck back through the house. Now, we've been praying for birds and praying for animals and whatever, and, you know, they, we had just, yeah, he had just had a memorial service for a toad that him and Elijah and Sarah had destroyed, the, you know, the Sunday before. And then I informed them, you killed it, you know, like, you're monsters to this, you know. Jace breaks down crying, whoa, your toad's dead, you know. I was like, oh, my gosh, this kid's all over. One minute he's destroying things, next minute he's, you know, he wants me to leave him alone for a few minutes with the dead frog toad. I'm like, fine, have at it. Who knows what he did? Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, wow, am I winning this thing of instructing him and teaching him, or am I losing? You know, like now he's mad at God. What do you do with a five year old that's mad at God? That's like, whoa, that's for adults. Adults do those, you know, that, you know, kids like. So I would just stuck on it like it just kept going in my I don't really even talk to Phyllis or Ashley about it I'm just like what was that like trying to you know do things with him and we have a great relationship and a lot of fun and you know and then there's this these things where you feel like wow I'm totally I'm totally bombing on this like not done to good and um it was a few days of that and it just kept coming back and rolling in my mind. And all of a sudden I went, Jonah. And it directed me, and this is what I get things from our kids just watching them. I get directions, leadings, whatever. It just coming out of their, bubbling out of their childhood, you know, childishness. But the simplicity of their lives, and then I, I get words. I can just watch them walk across the room and get direction, get words. And uh, I knew all of a sudden I need to, so I go back to the book of Jonah. I read through fresh on the story. And I'm like, this was definitely his deal, you know. And so last Sunday, we read through the book of Jonah. I got a few phone calls and messages after, after that. 
after Sunday, like, could you have possibly preached on anything else? Like, how about Solomon and his wisdom, you know? And uh, Corwin lost all of his tomato plants, and, you know, he's like, you know, he ate his gourd, you know? In, in the story, there's a worm that God raises up to eat the gourd that's comforting Jonah just a little bit by its shade, you know? And then he's mad about that to the point that, I know this is none of you, he, he's ready to die. Just kill me, you know? Nothing's working out. And, and in this discourse of this story, it all comes out. I mean, it's a little short book, four chapters, and wow, is there a lot in that just of stuff that's so like, oh my. And so I knew I was just needed to go and just preach this. I don't even feel like I knew a lot. Just just read it, look at it, see what's, what's here. Why is the Lord directing me to this? So I show, see this. And, you know, Jonah, when he gets this call to go preach, so understand, he must have been really good. He must have been sent on other assignments. He had some experience with God, enough to know that he pretty much had it figured out already what was going to happen and he didn't want God wasting his time anymore. Don't send me on these trips where I preach hell, fire, and damnation, and then you come in and change your mind at the last minute. And so he pays for a trip to Tarshish, has a little accident, like, you know, the crew throws him off the boat, finally. They felt bad about it. We're like, dude, in order for us to live, we've come to the conclusion, you need to go. And, of course, he's not big enough of a man to jump off himself, so he lets them throw him off, okay? And we have this story about the big fish. He gets swallowed up. Now, that kind of stretches your mind if you're a realist. Like, okay, how do you live in the belly of a fish, actually? Can't breathe, right? And so I referred to this Imagine Heaven book that, uh, is that it sitting right there? There it is. And all these you know, near-death experiences and these people that experience death in different ways, they were mostly dead, not completely dead, because they came back, okay? And um, some of them in their experience were not going to good places, like several of them. And in the depths of that, they cry out to the Lord. And it's very sobering, because we like to just think of the nice, you know, you meet Jesus, and most people's had this amazing experience of me. Nobody had to say this is Jesus. They knew who he was. Even if they weren't Christians, they knew who he was. They knew that they knew this is the one. This is the shining one. They felt this embrace, overwhelming embrace of love immediately. And, and were so attracted to him, they'd never experienced anything in their natural lives like it. So a lot of amazing experiences. But some of them just got through by the skin of their teeth, calling out uh, the Lord, saying the most simple thing of faith, and it would be interrupted, and they'd be brought back from being escorted to a very dark, horrible place. The description, being in a position, in a place where you're running from God. Your life insurance policy might be canceled. Like, I don't know. I'm just saying. Very dangerous to live without that. Very dangerous to live in a place where you're running from God. And 
and a fish swallows you. Just saying. So his experience, after reading that book, and I reread this passage that I've read many times and looked at it, and the, the depths, the experience that he goes to, and, and he has this experience that really is very compatible with these near-death experiences that these people had had. And he calls out, and he has this thing, and then the Lord commands the fish to throw him up on the beach. It's a bizarre story. It's really wild, actually. But I believe it because I can. I'm okay with it. I can't get my head around it, but I'm okay with it. After that, Jonah probably got thrown up right on the beach of you know, Nineveh, like, here you go, one-way ticket. So he begins to preach. Now it says, it describes Nineveh, it's such a big place, it was a three-day journey through it. Now, I don't know what kind of place that is, how big that is. Are some of our cities like that? If you were walking, it would take you three days to get from one end to the other. I don't know, just what, how it describes Nineveh, big place. So deducting from that, let's say that he preached for three days in the streets, walking through the streets. He wasn't nice to anybody. Besides, they're all dead, right? Because the Lord says, I want you to preach the message I tell you. That's very important. Could we just give the prophetic people a little break here and understand that the Lord may instruct you to say something that doesn't happen or doesn't take place, and that doesn't make you a false prophet? Can we just chill out a little bit? Because actually, what happened, what Jonah preached did not happen. It did not happen. He had a sneaky suspicion this is what's going to happen. He confesses that. God, I told you, this is why I ran. You get soft-hearted about people. I preach what you tell. I give the message you tell me. And he must have been good enough that his Ninevites were like, whoa, this dude's got some fire. We're dead. We're done. 40 days. City's destroyed. I think that's what it was. It was a 40-day, you know? Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So you'll be captured, taken. That could be worse than death. That was the message. For three days, he walks through the city and preaching the same thing. No altar calls, no come to Jesus thing, no I love you, I'm sorry about the wounds of your childhood. And the wickedness of the city was pretty serious. And then they fast and pray and repent from the top to the bottom. Even the animals were fasting and praying. We've, I've never heard of that. I mean, that would be the hardest thing, right? Having your kids start fasting and worse yet, your pets. Oh, no, honey, you can't have your doggy treat, no water. To, we're fasting and praying, you know. Everybody's in this. And the Lord sees this, and he relents. Jonah says, God saw their works. They, they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. 
So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Like, what is this? My grandson is mad at God. You're working against us here. You're bringing that supernatural part. You're raising the wrong things. You, you make the bees live again. Like, ugh. Jonah, what's up with this? I just had a comfortable seat waiting for the destruction of Nineveh. I was sitting back, 40 days, we're up, click, 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 and then you, you relent from everything. A mad matter of fact, I just want to die. Jonah, honestly. And then he makes a really bad mistake of confessing that he knows God's heart. He'd been better off, said, I never believed you'd do that. They might have been in a better place. I know. I know who you are. I know what you do. I know how you deal with things. I come on, I'm really good. I preach. I scare the bejeebers out of all of them. And then they repent and you change your mind. <clears throat> Just looking for some good destruction, huh? The message for us that I feel so timely, and it I didn't plan to come back to this today, but I'm still here. I'm here. We've got to get this really deep inside of us that God doesn't give up on anybody even long after you have. That we go, it's impossible for them to change. It's impossible for them to relent. I'm not talking about compromise. I'm just talking about heart check. We need to change, and there's a lot of things to be for us to be angry about right now in our, in our world. It's in our face. It is hard to stay calm, is it not? Unless you actually watch Donald Trump's face and you see that calm, cool, collected. Do you see his mugshot? Someone took his mugshot and put it with the, un the old Uncle Sam picture that we, you, we grew up with that was... It's the same look. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, that is going to be the iconic Trump picture. And there was another meme where he's raising up this big portrait in the, you know, in the White House for his 47th presidency. I like, yeah, picture of him in that mugshot. Yeah, it's great. It's great. When you get to a place where you're calm about the fact that God's going to win, and even some of these people that are just really off the rails, your anger is you feel like they're messing up your life. Are they really? Do they really have that much power? You see, God, through these circumstances, works incredible things. I saw a video taken down in Atlanta as President Trump was being rolled in to be indicted. This was a horrible place where they took him. It, was not a, it wasn't a bad place. It was a horrible place. It's a place that was already horrible that has gotten more horrible. They actually call it the Rice, Rice Street is the, name, the, the nickname for the, uh, the jail there. 
Uh, and even the black people don't want to be, you know, it's like they, it's not, he said, this jail is bad, bad, bad. I was listening to a black man that was probably a Christian. He's just very well-spoken. He said, I was there. I served time there. So he had a history. But you don't usually have a history like that and have this whole life look about you. You're like, you're, you're a Christian. Jesus found you. And the black community that lives there were lined up on the streets rooting for Trump. I mean, talk about things being turned around. I'm honestly, when I started to hear the rumors of he's going to get indicted, it's been a year or so. It's like, he may get arrested. I mean, I'm like, oh, heart, how am I going to come? Like, that's going to be hard to watch. Something like watching Jesus get crucified? going to be tough and to watch what's actually happening go hmm we may in be in for some tough times but not without God he's with us he's for us he'll make a way and watch the real players and, and look take a look step back a little bit and go righteousness is winning Companies that are woke are going, truly are going broke. Every time they jump onto these agendas that grieve us, they grieve me so badly, they're losing ground. They're not gaining. They're losing. It's like things just start talking. You don't even have to do much. Just watch. Step back. It's amazing. And so God has this plan. And in the midst, I feel the caution for us. Work on this because it's not easy. Stop criminalizing these people and understand even God can reach any of them at any time. And he still may. And we need to have this, this posture where we are with the Lord truly. Jonah was an awesome evangelist. Hellfire and brimstone, he was good. He was successful. He even knew God's heart, but he wasn't at one with it. He should have been rejoicing over this, going, thank you, I knew, Lord, you would do this. I knew you would save this city. That would have been the good place to be. That's the place I want to be. Not necessarily there all the time. But that's the goal. To get to a place where I maintain a heart for redemption and the possibility for redemption, even from the most wicked people on the planet that are plastered all over the, you know, our media. Like, wow. Can we come to a place like we need to make this move? Guard your heart and don't give up on anyone that is entangled in sin. Because, friends, if you think you deserve to be where you are today as a believer, you're wrong. If you think you're here because you made good choices, I think you're wrong. You're here by a grace that you don't deserve, beginning and end of story. Because a sovereign God led you carefully, you chose to believe, but he did all the work. Look with me to Ephesians chapter 2. 
I don't want to have come this far in my Christianity and have this, this thing against people that are evil and wicked. And they are. Again, I'll say it again. It's not about compromising. It's about believing for redemption, even for the most hopeless situations. It's not a popular thing to do, actually. You'll have other Christians, like, disagree with you. No, they don't deserve forgiveness. I, it's true. We know better, but it's, it's the language is there. The attitude's there. Let's take some time to read through Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, reading out of the New King James, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace." you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So we are all a living uh, illustration. We're going to be brought to this moment and then used as a living illustration that God will say, this is what I created. This is my grace poured out on people that did not deserve this, but look what they've become because my grace touched their life and they were changed, transformed. And whosoever will can be saved. And whosoever will can be forgiven. And whosoever will can have a second chance. It only takes the spirit a moment of unlocking something in a person and their eyes. I'm reading stories all the time about in different, different scenarios, people that are, they're changing. Like they're, they're, they're you never believe they would. And now there's a change in their attitudes and what they believe, what they see. That what it's like with us, it's impossible. We work with people for a while and then we get weary and we have a cutoff. How many of you can acknowledge, you don't have to raise your hands, it's bad, embarrassing, but that you found you have a point that you'll go and then you go capped, cap it off, right? Especially if you're really dealing personally with someone and trying to help them and pour out to them and whatever, and you come to this day, you go, I'm done, right? And sometimes you do need to be done because you're just enabling the problem, but we're talking about heart issues here. We're talking about keeping in a place. And, and the Lord's been working with me for a while on this subject, and I'm not gloriously passing the test, but I am passing the test. 
I'm not going to get any rewards for passing the test, but, but I am getting through them. I'm working through it, and there's a change. There's a difference. And there are groups of people you just don't want to be around, like, oh, geez, you know, like the language or the this or the that, the relatives, you know, that thing. And yet, what if the Lord's sending you there? There's this thing, we like to talk a lot about being led by the Spirit. That's a great subject. But we mistake it for being led by what makes me happy. What I feel good about in the Spirit. And you do have to have a yes in your spirit about everything. But sometimes the things that the Lord's been dealing with me about saying yes to are not the things I want to say yes to. I'd like to want to, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm going, no, 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 no. And it just stays there, like, and I go, do you want, I need to die to my flesh in this. Yeah, you do. All I can do when I'm facing that is ask for help. <laughs> how do you change your heart? Like, how do you get, some of this stuff's strong in us, huh? How do you just dial, you can't just click it off because just like it's deep inside of you that, no, you know? And, uh, and to start facing things and go, give me, help me. I'll do it, help me, if you'll help me. And I've been getting this help. And I find I have a peace when I go through. I step through, I keep moving through. And if I run and if I shut down, I get depressed. It's like, I don't feel better. Like, I saved my life, but I don't feel better about it. I mean, you can always, you always have an excuse. You always have an out, right? I'm not going to do that because of blah, 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 blah. Excuses are a dime a dozen. We all have a whole pocket full of them. Sometimes we save them, you know. Oh, hang on a second. Oh, here's my excuse card. Get out of jail free. Get out. I don't have to because, all right? But with the spirit, it's like, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't take those. <laughs> you can use it, but I, I, I don't accept those. It's either obey me or don't obey me. It's either you have a yes in your spirit about what I'm leading you to do. Sometimes it'll be fun, and sometimes it won't be. Can we just say that about being led by the Spirit? Just be careful. Like, oh, I feel really good about this. Watch, watch that language. Because what happens when you don't feel really good about it, but it's still what the Lord's saying to do? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we need to stop. We need to be careful with that. It's just fun. Like, oh, I feel led to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm in tune with God today. Like, I'm, yeah, my, my soul and my flesh and everything's like lined up. I love those days, don't you? I love it, you know? I even feel like a Christian today. Hallelujah, you know? And then there's times like, I'm like, oh, the, the me doesn't want to go there with thee, you know, that <laughs> conflict. And, and if you're not active about this, it's easy to just click it off. And it comes out of a hard heart, but being challenged today to enter into this love that God expressed about Nineveh, and then the gourd that he has grow, you know, the shade, and 
and uh, Jonah's upset that God sent a worm to take it away. And he went, he did it for a purpose. He wasn't messing with Jonah. He wanted to show him something. He needed to see this prophet, this prophet, preacher, evangelist, whatever he was, he needed to learn something that he didn't quite get yet. And it was this, Jonah, you loved a silly gourd because it gave you temporary comfort. I love those people in Nineveh. That's what I love. And you and I have things in this life that we love. And it's really not that much of a problem. You just have to under, because you do get attached to things, especially things that are gifts from the Lord. I love my house and my property. I, I don't want to go anywhere else. I love my, my place. I love my trees. I love, I love that. I don't want to go somewhere else. I love where our church is. I don't want to move. I don't want to go. I don't have a, you know, a, I've known this a long time. I don't have another place to go be. This, this is my, but I'm ha but this is good. I just want to do this well. That's all I want. And, and, and there are things, I love my tractor. It was a gift. I have this amazing lawn tractor. It was a gift. Like every time I'm on, I'm like, the Lord gave, provided this for me. Like, and you can have things that, that come into, that are possessions. They're carnal. You can love them, but, but the Lord just, just let, just understand this. The Lord loves people like that. And so it's not so much you have to, I mean, life looks weird when you don't allow yourself to love anything. Like, that gets strange. You don't have to do that. You can, you can appreciate your stuff. You can enjoy your stuff. That, that's not the problem. The, the issue is to understand that when you have an affection for something, God has that affection for people, especially some of the ones that disgust you. Oh, you can't possibly have that affection for them. Uh-huh, I do. They don't know their head from a hole in the ground. That's compassion. That's what he said. He said, they don't know their love from the right. It's like, yeah, but they, they what? Didn't have the same opportunities you did to come to the light and have truth and have grace on you that you otherwise you'd be just like them? See, it takes an assumption that you're better to be able to look down on people that are trapped in their sin and their bad. You have to assume that you've made better choices, that you're more spiritual, that you're wiser, that you have more favor, you have whatever. It, I, I hope you all understand that you have favor with God and experience it. But the day that you think that makes you better than someone else, you're in trouble. That may, <laughs> that favor might lift a little. So some things, times, days, things happen to things we love and appreciate. But you get it all in perspective and you go, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. It's, it's okay. It is what it is, but my true love is on him. My true love is compassion for people. God loves people. Can I say it again? He loves people. No, he loves disgusting people. He loves people that offend me just by their existence. He loves people that 
are causing me grief. He loves people that may even persecute me. They may make my life miserable. They may steal and take things from me. They may be corrupt leaders that put a world of hurt on me. He still loves them. And I have to maintain this place where I, well, it's not about maintaining. It's about revelation, understanding I love Jesus. And so if I love him, I'm gonna, I want to love what he loves. I want to see through his eyes what I can't seem to see with my own. I want to be, and it'll cause that, you know that anger that's just under the surface that you sometimes hold, you get out in life and it starts, and little things, you listen to the wrong thing and pretty soon it starts bubbling up. It's like somebody turned the burner on and pretty soon the pot's boiling. It's very exhausting to live in judgment and anger and, and, and believing people deserve something bad. I mean, we all do. So that argument's done. We do all, we deserve death. We deserve punishment, we deserve hell. But Jesus came to give us life. If you're sitting here and you have any revelation of who Jesus is, that's amazing. That's a gift. That's a gift. Be grateful. Just, just say thank you. And realize and look, just practice this. Look at people and go, I don't see how. But they can be set free. They can be changed. They can be transformed. I d we don't have to. I'm just learning. Like, I don't have to know much of anything up here. I just have to believe and cooperate with what the Spirit is. And somebody shared this information with us. Where did this come from, Phyllis, about the, uh, it, the same part of your brain that complains is the same part of your brain that Maria, the same part of your brain that complain is the same part of your brain that gives gratitude. Is that, are we saying that right? I'm getting a no. No, see, Phyllis. Fear and anxiety are the same part of your brain? As thankfulness. Can't complain at the same time either. <laughs> We've been using that in our house this week. Yeah. It's true, isn't it? It's either or. That's why giving thanks has so much power for us. It keeps that busy <laughs> so that you can't be in the complaint, the anxiety, the worry. Because that, that manifests some nasty stuff. It'll make you sick. But gratitude, just practicing gratitude. That's why from the moment you wake up in the morning, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. That's not foolish exercise. That aligns your spirit, your heart. Just choose to do it. Let the Spirit, I hope all of you, I, a little while back, the Lord gave me a phrase, of our, it was a, a scripture, and I felt to start saying it to myself, and it was actually hard to say about myself. But it was the word, and it was a promise. And every time I speak it, it 
it changes. I feel the power of it. I just, I'm just, I just let it roll and say this phrase and repeat this scripture for, that's for myself, for me. And I'm like, wow. I wouldn't go around all day saying that about myself. I'd be saying, thinking negative things. I'm not doing good enough. I'm this. I'm failing. I'm falling short. I'm, you know, all the things that you think and that you, if you're not careful, you'll think about yourself. And I, I just, I started declaring this. And I'm like, huh. And I can feel my shoulders go back and my spirit come alive. And even what I'm struggling with, I'm able to overcome and do. Because it's the power of the word and his promise to me. So find those things. Quote those things. Find the one that belongs to you. This one belongs to me. There's a ton of scriptures to quote, but I, I believe the Spirit would like to give all of you a prevailing word. And maybe just a few in your lifetime, I don't know, because they seem to be so, uh, they apply to everything. And through your day, you just quote that thing. You just say that thing that the Lord gave you. He said, here, say this. And, and it's going to be kind of opposite of your flesh that struggles with life. But if you say it, it takes, it, it takes precedent. So let's pray today. Father, in, in our great nation right now, we know this amazing uh, conflict is taking place and uh, the troubles and the things that we see. And, and we may be in for more. But instead of running and hiding, we want to just face the day. We want to go out to the, the very bow of the ship and just let the wind and the water hit us in the face and stop holding back and hiding and just get out there and be, be ready in the name of Jesus to just to, to embrace whatever comes because our hearts are full of faith and expectation. And Lord, give us an understanding for your, again, revelation about your great compassion over, over some of these most wicked people that we, we hear about and see. And with you on our side, we're not a victim. No one has power over us, not what matters. Can't take our belief away. They can't take our faith away. They can't take our hope away. And we know our, our nation still has your favor. We don't want to be that group of Christians that sit by and wait for everything to go to hell in a handbasket. It's not, it's not a good thing. We need to be standing believing you're going to redeem this nation and fulfill the destiny that you called us to fulfill, to be the people you called us to be, to be a light that's not hid under a bushel. So, Lord, help our leaders, bless our leaders, bless our preachers, bless our pastors and leaders to have the wisdom and the heart, not compromise, but genuine compassion for the lost, for the difficult, for the enemies of your message. I would just thank you for this and your work in us and all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Who has begun a good work in you will complete it. So I just want to declare this morning that our God finishes what he starts. 
So if you're in a, if your story is not finished yet, you're right where you're supposed to be. If you're in need of a miracle, you're in the right spot. If you haven't seen a victory, stay where you are, it's coming. Jesus, this morning, we take communion in remembrance of you, in remembrance of all you've done for us, the finished work of the cross, all for you and me. Father, we thank you this morning. We invite your spirit in even more as we enter into this moment with you, as we partake as we partake. Father, just bless us today. We're declaring miracles in this house. We're declaring the goodness of God to be released over us. It's already started. It's already here. We're declaring victories. Victories over sin and darkness. Victories in our lives. Victories, we stand in this this morning. Thank you, Father. Amen.